Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 280 on Now You Know. As always, we are brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. Help support us, bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's some really great perks over there, so support us and it'll be kind of a little you know, present to yourself. That's right. Our friends over at Climate Exchange are running their sixth annual Tesla raffle, and it is arguably the best raffle yet because... This year, if you win, you can choose a Model S Plaid or a Model X Plaid. Yeah, I mean, technically, you could choose the Tesla of your choice. Uh, Tesla Model S, Model X, Model 3, Model Y. But this year, you could choose... Model S or X Plaid, and I mean, why wouldn't you go Plaid? And of course, Climate Exchange will also pay all the taxes. That means the grand prize could be worth over $227,000, depending on what you choose. And here's the thing, there's only 5,000 tickets, so your chances of winning are pretty good, and you're supporting a fantastic cause. Yeah, our friends over at Climate Exchange are the best. Climate Exchange is a 501c3. They're a nonprofit with the mission to achieve a durable, just transition away from polluting fossil fuels in the U.S. by advancing climate policy at the state level. Look, the fossil fuel industry has lobbyists, right? The folks at Climate Exchange are on our team in the halls of government around the country. Doing all this important work costs money, though, and this Tesla raffle goes a long way every year to funding Climate Exchange's important operations. So head over to Climate Exchange now, buy a raffle ticket, and on February 25th, you may hear your name called as they announce the grand prize winner. But don't forget, there's also cash prizes for the second, third, fourth, and fifth winners, too. Now, last time we talked about this, you said that you'd choose the Model Y if you won. Yeah. I changed my mind. I think I'd go with the Model X Plaid. That's a smart choice. <laughs> and I just want to say, Climate Exchange is the kind of charity that I support regardless of this raffle. The work they do is so important because we talk all the time in the show about getting out there and talking to your representatives in government, making a difference, advocating for change. Well, this is exactly what Climate Exchange does every day. So enter Climate Exchange's sixth annual raffle right now by using the link below, and you could be joining these past lucky winners and driving away in a shiny new Tesla, all while supporting a great organization. Go do it. And we're brought to you by BigBattery.com. No matter what you need to power, Big Battery can provide you with the latest battery tech at the best price per kilowatt hour guaranteed. Their batteries are easily installed, require zero maintenance, and they're made right here in the U.S. Pick up yours today at BigBattery.com and use the code now you know for 5% off at checkout. All right, so Tesla just rolled out FSD Beta 10.9, and for our Canadian viewers, Elon said on Twitter, we will start rolling out FSD Beta in Canada, cautious over the next two to four weeks because, you know, Canadian drivers, right? <laughs> they're already cautious. <laughs> I, I don't know why they're doing this all cautiously. All right. So I was reading through the list of updates. And again, I don't understand it. So maybe you can help me translate. Okay. Uh, first one here. Improved intersection extents and right-of-way assignment by updating modeling of intersection areas from dense rasters, backup points to sparse instances. Increased intersection region IOU by 4.2%. The sparse intersection network is the first model deployed with an auto-regressive architecture that runs natively with low-latency on-trip AI accelerator chip through innovations in the AI compiler stack. Yeah, I mean, I really like to bring you good translations. I guess it's like better at going through intersections. Man, that's tough. <laughs> uh, how about this one? Upgraded generalized static object network to use 10-bit photon count streams rather than 8-bit ISP tone map images by adding 10-bit inference support in the AI computer stack. Improved overall recall by 3.9% and precision by 1.7%. So the, if you've read the beginning part, generalized static. <laughs> Object network. I'm going to go 
can see the static objects better. Oh, okay. They are getting really fancy now. How about this one, though? This one reads more like literature. Okay. Made unprotected left turns across oncoming lanes more natural by proceeding straight into intersection while yielding before initiating the turn. Okay, so I mean that one's a little bit more self-explanatory. I yeah, think you I, can understand. I that feel one. like there's two different engineers who write this. One of them minored in English literature, and the other one is just a crypto miner. Right. How about this one? This one's pretty easy, I think, too. Improved lane preference and topology estimation by 1.2 percent with network update and a new format for navigation clues. Oh, a left, a left, <laughs> a left, a left. I think we should be going left. Is that the kind of clue it's talking about? I hope so. I hope it does that. <laughs> this one improved short deadline lane changes with better modeling of necessary. D acceleration for maneuvers beyond lane change. So, I mean, this is going to be for better quick lane changes, especially when, say, a right turn is coming up and you change into the right lane and then have to take a right turn. Oh, right. Because a lot of times it gets over to the right, but it's going so fast that it misses the turn. It could. Right. So basically, they're almost like connecting two parts of the software, like navigation with driving. Yes. I mean, it's a kind of lot like when you're driving the car, right? And you're not paying attention to where you're going. You're just like, I got to get over into the right lane, but you're not thinking about the turn. Improve future paths for objects not confined to lane geometry by better modeling of their kinematics. So this one is interesting. I think the algorithm used to say there's a bike and it will always stay in, say, a bike lane. But as we all know, many times the bike lane stops or disappears or someone parked in it. Um, and now I think full self-driving will discern other trajectories for that bike that may be more realistic, shall we say. Because, I mean, if you're going along and there's like a, you're going to be what, like passing a biker and maybe they're in a bike gutter next to you and you're like, OK, we're coming upon a car parked in the in the gutter. Or right. There's... He's he's going to have to go around that car into right. my lane. You give them an extra little right. bit of room. So, I mean, potentially the full self-driving computer would do the same thing. This is a lot like a 16 year old, right? When they first go up for their first driving, they're so like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that they're not thinking about that. And then as they get more comfortable, they're like, oh, I should probably give that bike, you know, a little more room. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? Made launches from stop more calm when there's an imminent slowdown nearby. Yeah, one's pretty self-explanatory. Why do they call it a launch? <laughs> That's for drag racing. <laughs> Improved gap selection when yielding to a stream of oncoming cars on narrow roads. I mean, this one's kind of self-explanatory. I think it's for, you know, pulling onto a road. And obviously, you know, when you get onto one of those and you're just like, can I go yet? Can I go yet? Um, and then you're like, oh, that might have been the right point. And then you're like, oh, I should have gone. I mean, this is one of those that you really want to test to see if it really is improved. Yeah. Because it could be very powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, this will be the first time that non-U.S. Tesla drivers will be seeing FSD beta. And it'll be the first time that FSD beta will be seeing outside of the U.S. Oh, it's first trip. Beta <laughs> is getting so big. Well, it's it's kind of interesting because, I mean, there have to be some difference in traffic laws in Canada. I don't know any of Canadian traffic laws. So I've only driven through Canada a couple times. We're yield, on the highway. Yield for moose. <laughs> All right. So this new change has been spotted in the Model Y owner's manual. If your Model Y is equipped with a structural battery pack, the exact location of the lift points will differ slightly. Yeah, this is just talking about where you can safely jack up the car. Yeah, but you see, now Tesla is referencing the structural battery pack. Oh, right. I mean, <laughs> this is a good sign that it's coming for real. I, mean, I see. Uh, do you see, though? Because it raises some interesting questions. Like, 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 like where does where my does Model, Model Y come, come from? from? 
because structural battery pack Model Ys will be built at Giga Texas, but probably not Fremont. So will Fremont stop making Model Ys? And will Fremont shut down their Model Y line and switch to Model 3s? And will Tesla customers care? Or are we just in a Tesla nerd bubble? Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really had this problem before in North America. Mm. Normally, when you order a Tesla, it's going to be coming with the battery that you thought it was going to be coming with. Well, this raises a big question. I don't know. I mean, we, you know, if you're watching the show, then you know what a structural battery pack is, right? Yep. You want that in your car. But what if you are on the waiting list right now for Model Y, it comes one day, and then you find out your friend's Model Y got the structural battery pack, but yours didn't because right. yours is made in Fremont and theirs is made in Texas. Right. Aren't you going to be mad? There would have to be some insane difference for it to make a difference. Yeah, I don't think there is going to be a noticeable difference, but you're always going to drive around knowing that you're not having the structural battery pack. But I mean, that's the question. Like, is it going to be that uh, the structural battery pack is going to have a way longer range? Like, oh, it can go an extra 30 miles because that would be like, yeah, I'd be pretty mad if I didn't get that. But doesn't that mean your car would have the 4680s and the other car wouldn't? If the cars drive the same, if they roughly weigh the same, if they have pretty much the same range, and if they supercharge the same, which we all don't know if that's going to be the case. But right. let's say that they do. It would be like somewhere in my car, there's a Fabergé egg. I can't sell it for anything, but I think in my car there is one and and my friend's car, there isn't one. I don't know. Like, is there a difference or was it just cheaper for Tesla to manufacture? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if outside of our little bubble, if anyone does care, um, right. because I think a lot of people out there who are buying these cars don't even know what's in them. They don't even probably even know they have electric motors for all we know. Like, <laughs> or what the battery pack looks like. <laughs> right. So, you know, it, it is a really good question. I mean, for me, like, yeah, part of me is like, I want the 4680s in my car. I don't know if that matters. But I do wonder at Fremont if they're going to just stop the Model Y line or if they're going to somehow put structural battery packs in there. It seems like that would be hard to do, but... Yeah, so I have no idea if like that's part of the plan that they're just going to stop production of the Model Y in Fremont and have it switch over to Texas. But then if you're the last person getting a Model Y without a structural pack, aren't you going to be pretty mad? That's, that's what, what I'm, I'm talking about. about. There's always going to be that case. Right. Then like even if they do a ramp down and a ramp up. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's going to be like a lot of mad people one month who are like, we're the last ones to get the old pack. Right. And speaking of the Model Y structural battery pack, two more gigapresses were spotted by our friend and intrepid drone pilot Jeff Roberts being delivered at Giga Texas last week. Remember, these massive 430 ton machines from Italy can deliver a clamping force of about 60,000 kilonewtons and turn a job that used to take dozens of robots and workers and individual parts being welded together into one monolithic aluminum part. So this appears to be the third and fourth gigapresses delivered on site at Giga Texas, which is great news. I was really hoping that we'd have like a few Model Ys to roll out of Giga Texas before the end of last year. Uh, but hopefully the production ramp with these new Giga Presses now here will be swift. Now, I want to give a huge shout out to Jeff Roberts and the whole quad squad down there in Texas and over in Germany, because without these guys flying their drones, we would not have the daily viewings of what's going on at the Giga factory. So keep supporting them so we can see their progress in real time. Yeah, because I mean... I obviously want to thank Jeff Roberts as well, but I want to thank the people that support the Quad Squad because honestly, Jeff Roberts is awesome. I've met him. I've talked to him, but he can't do what he does without the support of like his patrons. So yeah, head over to Jeff Roberts' channel. Give him a thumbs up because he really deserves it. So remember back in October, we reported on Mary Louise Cummings, who was appointed as a safety advisor to NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We here in the Tesla Nation were a bit perplexed how our government could appoint a self-proclaimed Elon and Tesla hater to 
to a federal board that is supposed to make critical decisions about safety on our nation's roads. Yeah, I remember Misty Cummins had like written papers and tweeted publicly about how Tesla's autonomy systems were unsafe and even derided Elon. But then when she was appointed, she deleted her Twitter account and edited her papers to make them seem nicer. And yeah. I guess... Uh, she doesn't know how the internet works. <laughs> right, that it, that lasts, it lasts forever. forever. Uh, and don't forget, she's on the board of a Swedish LiDAR company called Vianir, from which she gets a $400,000 annual salary. So we shared a change.org petition with you to get Missy Cummings removed, and, well, it seems to have some effect. NHTSA has now ordered her to recuse herself from any matters related to Tesla. Now, to me, this isn't good enough. Like, I don't think she should be on that board at all. I think if NHTSA actually realized that she should recuse herself from such a major discussion, then that shows that they've realized that she's biased and you shouldn't put biased people onto a board that has to do with safety. But let's keep in mind that you guys did that. Let's be honest. Like, the government was not going to do anything about this because she was appointed to that board until enough people got upset enough and wrote enough letters and wrote enough petitions and they changed something. Except somebody got that change.org petition taken down. Yeah, I know. Missy Cummings basically filed to have it taken down and they did. And change.org like just folded, which... Come on, change.org. Like, right. You want to change things. It's, uh, <laughs> you have to you, stand it's a little up, confrontational you have to speak sometimes. to power? I don't know. But it did seem to have some effect. It seemed to have raised enough attention. I mean, the, the whole point of a, a change.org petition is not that you like, and here is the petition. It's that you're creating publicity about right. it, that enough people agree on something to write their name down. Well, and I argue that if the change.org petition stayed up longer, there'd be more signatures and it would have maybe gotten her taken off the board. Right. Um, because let's face it, she said that she was no longer going to work for Vianeer last year. Well, I just went on their website and take a look. She's still there and it says she won't be leaving till 2023. So that's an outright lie. Well, she was going to be leaving in 2023. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. It's, that's it's ridiculous. It's not a lie to say that. Well, I mean, it's like I could say, hey, I'm going to be leaving uh, now you know when I die. Right? That's a true. I didn't. I didn't lie. She didn't say that last part, though. She made it sound like she was stepping down immediately. Oh, well, that, she and didn't say not. immediately. Hey, let's start our own little petition. If you want to see Missy Cummings uh, just kicked off that board that she doesn't belong on, hit the like button. Um, or if you like the Which content won't that we do make. it. But well, you know, maybe maybe we like break YouTube. So we get so many likes and then that becomes the news story. And then we do get her taken out. Sounds good. Know. Let's break YouTube, guys. At worst case, you're helping support the growth of this channel. So super cold temps in Canada and the Northeast are causing many Tesla owners to have reduced or no heat at all in their Model 3s and Ys. So remind me again, uh, there's a heat pump in the Model 3 and the Model Y, which is a new design. How does it work? Normally a heat pump. So you take the air. You, you collect the temperature of that air and then you pump it and you squeeze it together and you squeeze all the heat together. And then you like give yourself the heat. That is how a heat pump works. It, they're amazing and they're super efficient. The problem is when there's no heat in the air, you squeeze it together and there's no heat. But Tesla thought of that. They have it so that there is a loop system basically where it can also take some heat from say the motor to help warm up the air. Cause the heat from the motor? Yeah, the batteries in the motor when you're driving a Tesla, they heat up. Okay, but what if the car's just sitting in your driveway and it's not driving anywhere? I'm pretty sure that they can use the motor stationary to because like sometimes it just drives back and forth <laughs> really, really small. Are you like kidding? They just what are you run talking current about? through it. Oh really? I've come up to my car and I'll hear like a and I'm like, what the heck is that noise? And one day I just like got down on all fours and I was like, 
leaning under my car and it was the motor. So, oh, so I, it's just heating up the motor and then using that heat? And so I think that that was a way that they could save uh, money on resistive heating. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, my car also has resistive heating, so it's not like it has a heat pump anyway. So what do I know? But anyway, yeah, Tesla owners in Canada and uh, really, really cold places are not having any heat come into their car. Okay, so what's happening with owners in Canada in these cold climates? So a tweet thread from Tesla owners online explains what seems to be happening and what Tesla is doing about this. Number one, the heat pump system actually has the ability to work really well, even in temps colder than negative 30 degrees Celsius, because there are two loops that use compression and expansion of the refrigerant going from liquid to gas uh, to liquid, and those loops can produce heat even in extreme cold. The Alaska team has been testing this in super cold and it does work well. So fundamentally, the heat pump can and will work in our climates. Number two, one of the observed causes of a climate failure that has been diagnosed is the front air intake flap freezing open and blasting cold air into the system when driving on the highway, which is preventing the heat pump system's ability to work correctly. The cold air passes by a sensor and that tells the climate system it's failing. And then you get the famous error and the compressor just stops. One of the things they're potentially going to do with the software as a quick win is to allow the compressor slash system to keep working even if the flap is not functioning properly. And of course, they're trying to figure out how to prevent this in the first place. Of note, the tech recommended ensuring the black grill on the front of your car is clean and clear as snow and ice build up there can cause the flap to not open slash close properly. And Elon tweeted out, great explanation. I hate to sound critical, but I think this problem is happening because their engineering team doesn't live with cold weather. And what I mean by that is, I know that in theory, everyone can write like, oh, well, this part has been tested down to negative 10. But where we live in the Northeast, and if you live in Minnesota or Canada or some other cold place, you know that you have unique things that happen in your climate. Like uh, it might be cold for days or it might get warm and then cold and then warm and then cold. And so the things that freeze and melt and freeze and melt. Right. Or it um, might snow and then it'll rain right. and then it'll freeze and then it'll melt and then it'll freeze. And so I want to talk about over engineering for a second mm -hmm. here, because if they over engineered this to work no matter what then it would work. But instead, they've engineered it to California standards where it's like, well, if it gets to 32 tonight, it'll work in the morning. Or they're going to pick something where it's like, okay, guys, I've identified that the heat pump is definitely going to be like, we need the heat pump to work at negative 40 degrees because we're going to be sending this to Norway. Great. That sounds awesome. And so it sounds like, you know, the Alaska team who are like working on the problem. And I'm sure that they're out in the cold every day, freezing their butts off, you know, coding and trying to figure stuff out. But if you're too focused on the wrong thing, and this is like Elon 101, like mm -hmm. if you're asking the wrong questions, which right. is like, will the heat pump work at negative 30? It's great that it can do that. But if a little plastic flap doesn't close and that prevents the whole exactly. system from working. I mean, and then the second part is how they're dealing with this. Yes, things are going to go wrong. But when they do, communicate properly. Elon shouldn't be relying on someone to post something well and then go, great explanation. He should be giving the explanation. And it shouldn't be on Twitter. It should be a message sent yes. out to Teslas. And I mean, like, you know, my car the other day was told me, like, here's how to deal with cold climates. Thank you for telling me, Car, but we've been together for three years and I think I know how to take care of you in the cold. That is the kind of message that would be nice. Hey, we're fixing the problem. Hey, we're going to make it so that way your heat pump stays on even if we think that it's failing. And I mean, this is why we should be VPs of special operations at Tesla, because I mean, I've got an idea. How about a smart heating package? What's that like? I mean, what if you had like thermal tape in areas that are weak for the car? For instance, the windows always get stuck up here in New England. Mm -hmm. So if you had some thermal tape and it had AI and it was like, it's going to be cold tomorrow. I will turn this on. And then or maybe some along the door handles or along the door jams. 
literally 25 watts of heat tape would solve most of these problems. Because, right. I mean, you and I have been out there with the hairdryer before trying to solve this problem, and that's not cool. Right. And, I mean, yeah, the charge port, the handles, the windows, all these things. And, like, I see the videos on TikTok of people going, like, my car is now frozen shut. Which is, you know, most cars get frozen shut. And most cars, you know, the window might be like, well, it's frozen. What I, what I want to get to is, like, Tesla could have a super cold package. And it could cost two, three, five thousand dollars You could go like, am I going to get it? And you go, no, I'm not. And then here's here's the thing. It's not for me because, honestly, I wouldn't have been able to afford it. I would even if Tesla was like, we're offering it. It's going to be great. It's going to melt all the snow and ice off your car. What I could then say to my friends when I can't get into my car at work and they're like, oh, you got that stupid Tesla. I go, yeah, you know, I could have paid, you know, a little extra money and gotten the the super cold package, but I didn't. But I mean, this really hurts their brand. Yeah. And I mean, I think we saw this uh, last week during that big traffic jam in Virginia on the I-95 where people were stuck for 24 hours. Yeah. And in the Washington Post, there was an op-ed claiming that if everyone was driving EVs, it would have littered the highway for miles. Right. It would have been a disaster and people would have died. And I just want to point out, like Teslas aren't that bad because there was a Model 3 stuck in that traffic jam and they were fine. They were just sitting in there nice and warm watching Netflix while everyone else was like, man, should I keep my engine running? Yeah. Dan Kinnanen, a Model 3 owner, was one of those EV drivers stuck in the traffic jam for 14 hours. And he writes, I'm grateful that I was driving my EV when I got stuck on I-95. No, the recent nightmare on Virginia's I-95 would not have been worse if everyone had been driving electric vehicles instead of gas-powered vehicles. In fact, everyone would have had a far better experience if they had been driving an EV. So they're from someone who actually lived through it. And that's the truth. Not some person in Washington who was like, see, this is why we can't can't drive EVs. But to my point about Tesla's lack of communication, here's a tweet from Drive Tesla. Can we please get an official comment about the heat pump issues, Elon? It is clearly impacting a lot of cars and the fixes the Tesla team software and service have tried so far haven't worked. Some clarity and transparency would go a long way with owners. Thanks. Elon said fixing this is a high priority. Firmware fixed to recalibrate heat pump expansion valve is rolling out now. And I wouldn't be surprised if this software fix does something. But I also think this compressor problem has something to do with what our friend Fabrizio showed us in his Model Y. Some of these heat pumps are making weird noises. Maybe they're not working properly. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not working efficiently. And maybe in California, you don't notice it because you don't really need to push it to its extreme. Oh, it's like 66. Ooh, I'm cold. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Right. So maybe those cars that are shipped to the Northeast or Canada start exhibiting, you know, a different problem. And this is probably why both NHTSA and Transport Canada have announced that they are investigating the issue as a safety concern, right. which, again, bad news for Tesla because it just brings your brand under more scrutiny. At the end of the day, though, this is still better than my leaf. <laughs> I know. I don't understand. Like, my leaf does not make doesn't generate heat. I can't drive. If I was stuck in that traffic jam, I would have died. And my leaf was made in 2013, but I had to get a heated blanket for my <laughs> leaf. Heated blanket for your Tesla could also work. Hey, that's part has, of your heat package. Already has heated your seats. Your super heat package could come with a cozy plug-in warming blanket. If it could, like, roll out from your seat. Oh, <laughs> huh? even if it was just to get your front. <laughs> so Elon tweeted this out last week. Tesla merch buyable with Dogecoin. So I went on there and I was like, oh, well, this is another way to pay for things. But then I found out that three of the things on the Tesla website you can only buy with Dogecoin. The belt buckle the cyber whistle, 
and the CyberQuad for kids. So let's take a look at this. Uh, the belt buckle was going for 835 Doge. Now I'm not, You're not up on your coins. I'm not up huh? on my coins, so I'm not. How much is that? That's 150. So that's what it was worth before. Wait, how did you uh, calculate that? You find out what the price of Dogecoin is. No, but my point here is, uh, unlike most currencies, which fluctuate pretty slowly, I mean Doge. I mean, take a look at this. When he announced it, it went up by like 30 percent in, in a minute. Does Cecil's website have like a calculator app that this is automatically like adjusting to Doge prices? Yeah, I think so. I'm saying 835 Doge, but like by the time you're watching this, it could be completely different. Right. This is the next thing we should do. We should get in on cyber belts. And we're already, we already got no, but one. I mean, thousands of them. <laughs> yeah. You could make a secondary tertiary market. So, I mean, Tesla belt buckles are a derivative of Doge. Oh, goodness gracious. But you know what I think we need to do? What? I mean, I got that belt buckle before they switched to you Doge got it with, only. You got it with I got it with good old US dollars. <laughs> but- if Tesla's going to keep doing this, we're going to need some Doge. So let's go get a Doge wallet. Mm, what do you yeah. mean? Mm. I mean, what if Tesla one day turns it on so that you can only buy a car with Doge? We're going to need Doge. Oh, I don't want to. We have to. All right. But I want to point something out. A lot of you might be like, no big deal. I already trade Doge on my Robinhood account, so I can just buy this any time. Uh, but hang on. Uh, we went to check out there and you have to have it in your wallet. You can't just have it in a trading account. So what I think we should do is we should do an investor club bonus story over on Patreon where this week we actually set up our own wallet because I think a lot of you out there are like, well, yeah, I do trade in Doge, but like I don't have a wallet because, yeah, I've looked into it. It's not that straightforward. In fact, I think we might need some help. Head on over to Patreon, uh, join us for a Now You Know Investor Club, and give us, if you're into Doge and you're into trading stuff and wallets, like, uh, tell us what we should do, because we are completely new at this. And if you're completely new at it, we will <laughs> risk everything and you can just learn through us. Right. Because, I mean, I think the object will be to buy one of these things on Tesla's website with Doge and see if it works. So we better hurry up before they <laughs> They're sold it. out. <laughs> so Rivian just announced that Rod Copes, the COO or Chief Operations Officer for Rivian, has retired, saying Rod began a phased retirement from Rivian several months ago, affording the team continuity as we move towards production ramp. Well, I'm sure he's worked at Rivian for a nice long time, and now he wants to spend his retirement years, you know, with his family. Well, let's see here. Um, no, uh, Rod started at Rivian way back in March of 2020. And like Rivian said in their statement here, uh, they started Rod's retirement a few months ago. So let's say October of 2021. So that means he worked for Rivian for about a year and eight months. Well, I mean, he must have moved up the ranks, you know, from like junior executive to VP of this or that and then COO. Uh, no. Uh, according to his LinkedIn, he came to Rivian after working at Royal Enfield, the motorcycle company, where he was there for almost six years. Before that, president of Healy Manufacturing for almost seven years. And before that, senior VP at Harley Davidson for 19 years. OK. Well, I mean, he's got to be pretty old by this point. Uh, hang on. He's not. He's only a few years older than me. So, you know what? I guess this means I can retire now, too. See ya. It's been nice working with you. Hey, whoa, you can't, you can't leave. We're in the middle of recording right now. What do you mean? I mean, Rod worked at Rivian for less than two years. I've worked here for three times longer. Heck, when we were at Fully Charged Live in Austin in February of 2020, Rob didn't even work for Rivian yet. He's leaving right in the middle of their production ramp, arguably one of the most crucial times for a company, and he's the COO. So why can't I leave in the middle of the show? But I mean, hey, Rivian just announced that they have made about a thousand R1Ts so far. Oh, that's great. Let me take out my, um, my chart. Let's see here. So uh, here's my chart. Uh, they've got to get to uh, 80,000 because that's how many have been ordered. So let me see. I'm just going to fill in. Uh, yes, right here. Put a little more. Yes, a um, little more. Okay, good. Yes, filled it in. 
I said, did you fill it in yet? Yeah, can't you see? Down there, uh, I added a little more, so we're up to 1,000. And I mean, they haven't even gotten to their day one reservation holders yet. Uh, no, I'm a day one reservation holder. I mean, I've got, I guess they've gotten to some of them, but uh, but you know what? Let's let's take a look at their stock chart, shall okay. we? Okay. Oh, an all time low. Good job, Rivian. Good job. I ooh. So what what happened? I think what? someone <laughs> didn't like someone. I don't know if if Rod didn't like Rivian or Rivian didn't like Rod, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I mean, I because you like don't leave during a ramp, I, or you you joined and they're like, "Oh, Rod, like so glad to have you on board, dude." Oh, uh, like we we're just talking about like this production ramp. I'm like, what we're we gonna do? Um, can I have a list of your suppliers, Chelsea? Uh, do we have like that list of no, no, we don't have any. No, we're we're about to ramp. Do we need? Yeah, some. that's why we like hired you, dude. I made motorcycles. Uh, Gas-powered yeah. motorcycles. Right, but like, you know how to build stuff, man. Um, how long do my shares need to vest before I can leave? Well, Is I mean, it that headhunter had a real hard bargain, man. Yeah, it's like 12 months. Oh, so I'm vested. Okay, <laughs> see ya. This might explain why I'm still waiting for my R1T. <laughs> I wonder if Rod got his R1T, though. Maybe the day it arrived, he drove off. <laughs> so on Wednesday, January 26th, Tesla will be holding their 2021 Q4 earnings call. Now, you remember that Elon has been absent from the calls, but according to Elon's tweet on December 3rd, he should be there to give a product roadmap update for Cybertruck. Now, we will most likely be covering the earnings call on our in-depth that week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that. Yeah, because let's be real here. Do you want to drop what you're doing at 5.30 Eastern or 11.30 p.m. in Sweden or 2.30 in the afternoon in California and listen to a bunch of stupid questions from analysts? <laughs> on a really crappy phone line? <laughs> Or it would be a whole lot easier to just watch our recap that gives you the highlights and puts the whole thing into perspective. Elon has the layout of all his competition, right? He's got the Rivian R1T, he's got the GMC Hummer EV, the Ford F-150 Lightning, and the Chevy Silverado EV. They've all been unveiled. And the question is, how badly will he crush them into the ground with the Cybertruck? Exactly. I mean, even with the Cybertruck stats that we saw at the unveiling back in November of 2019, we just discussed on our recent in-depth how Cybertruck still comes out in the lead in most categories. So what will you be looking for, Elon, you know, announcing on the 26th? I don't think this is going to happen, but I would love to hear about some test production of the stainless steel exoskeleton. Like, I'd love him to say, like, so, yeah, we've been testing it out and it's really great and uh, we're ready to go. Now, I know Tesla can build a car, but this exoskeleton frame body thing is next level. And I'm just a bit concerned about how long it will take to get production ramped. I mean, I know they can do it. I'm not doubting Elon here, but I mean, there are over a million of us waiting for this truck. So Tesla needs to pump up production. And what I'm just a little concerned about is kind of like with Model 3 production, where it's like, oh, I thought it'd be easy to fold a bunch of stainless steel and it turns out to be hard. How about you? Truck boat, obviously. So you're hoping for like a sale option and, a, and an ore kit? Um, I was thinking maybe like hydrofoil, I, out, yeah. outrigger motor. He could talk about that. Why don't you comment below what you're hoping Elon will say on the 26th? And I think another place you should go if you want to talk about this is one of our sponsors, Cybertruck Owners Club. There you'll find a crowdsource reservation tracker that you can update. You can find your place in line. You can talk about all this stuff on their website for Cybertruck news and discussions and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. So, Jesse, what was that go-kart thing I saw everyone having a blast on a few weeks ago? Oh, you mean the Gyroar G5 hoverboard and its go-kart attachment? Yeah, we just published the review on Now Let's Review, our sister channel. Yeah, if you're a fan of this channel and you like e-mobility, go check out Now Let's Review, where we review all kinds of e-mobility products, including, I guess, now go-karts. 
Yeah, when I first saw this go-kart attachment, I thought it was going to be a big joke, um, but it was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought grown adults would be too big for it, but they somehow managed to make it work for both kids and adults. I mean, I have to admit, I took it for a few spins myself, and it was like being a kid again. I mean, low to the ground, tank turn steering. I mean, it's kind of the perfect immobility toy. I mean, would you recommend it? Uh, you're going to have to watch our review over on Now Let's Review to... Uh see if I liked it or not. All right. So every quarter, Tesla releases their safety report, and every quarter, we update our little chart here to track their progress. So Q4 2021, Tesla said, recorded one crash for every 4.31 million miles driven in which drivers were using autopilot technology, which is auto steer and active safety features. For drivers who were not using autopilot technology, so no auto steer and active safety features, we recorded one crash for every 1.59 million miles driven. By comparison, NHTSA's most recent data shows that in the United States, there is an automobile crash every 484,000 miles. So really hard to understand in number form, I think. Um, yeah, I think our graph is super helpful, but can you kind of explain it? Yeah, so that red line was back when Tesla was reporting driving without autopilot, but with our active safety features. That blue line had been the reported safety numbers for autopilot engaged, but now it's for using autopilot technology, auto steer and active safety features. Well, hang on. So. The red line, did you forget to continue that red line? No, they stopped giving us data for the red line, which of course was without autopilot, but with active safety features. So I don't know, they've kind of rolled it into one thing and they've gotten rid of a thing that they tell us. So it's really unclear. I don't know if they're padding their numbers somehow, but this is the data that we have. I don't know. And the yellow has been people driving Teslas without any active safety? And I don't know how you do that. Because like when you get in the car, every new drive that you go on, you have to disable a particular uh, safety feature. I believe it's like lane departure, crash avoidance or something. So maybe that's what it is. People get in and they disable automatic emergency braking. You and have they to dis do it every, I mean, not all the safety, active safety features you have to disable every time you drive, but some of them you do. So I don't know which safety features they're talking about that are, I don't know what I don't know. I think what's important here is the green line, which is regular cars, and the blue line, which is Tesla using all of its active safety features and autopilot. And what I see here is, uh-oh, the blue line went down. Right. But what happens in Q4? It's time for Christmas. Right. And what, what do you think about when you think about Christmas? It's snowing. Snowing, right. And it also gets oh, darker out. Yes. And, and so. Slick roads, more crashes. Yes. More oh, crashes. so I see on this chart, every Q4, the numbers go down. Now, why don't the green numbers go down then? Because it's like we get the numbers from NHTSA occasionally. I mean, I think the last time we got average numbers from NHTSA was like back in 2018. Oh, I see. So NHTSA just updates those numbers like once a year or two, but but Tesla's doing it every quarter. Because they have data for it. Okay, so that's the problem. This is like really lumpy. Can I? Can you do something about that? Sure. So let's just draw a line between Q4 of all the years that we have data for, and you will see the line is going... Oh, it's going up. It's getting safer. Now, again, you could draw a vertical line at, you know... Q between Q1 and Q2 of 2021 and say like, well, they changed their data. So this is a completely different graph. I totally understand. I'm keeping it on the same graph just so we have something to look at. But I don't know what yeah. we're talking about. I think from now on, blue and green are the two biggies. I think in the middle, it's kind of it was kind of dumb anyway, because I mean, like, I don't think it was dumb. I think that it was cool to know 
what the safety features no, were No, but doing. if they had listed what those were, it's just we don't know between red and yellow right. what they were. But I mean, this is why Elon tweeted out big difference because and, and this is why I think Elon needs some kind of communications department to explain like we're explaining now why it is a big difference. Because come on, most people are not going to look at a graph and understand it. They won't have this graph. Right. We made this. We graph. made this. And exactly. I, it took me you know, a while to have to go find all the data and put it all in and then adjust for different stuff. But let's put it into even bigger layman's terms here. You get into a regular car in the US, you're going to get into a crash every 484,000 miles. You get into a Tesla, turn on autopilot, you're nine times safer. You're nine times less likely to even get in the crash. Not to mention when you get in a crash, Teslas are the safest cars on the road. Right. I mean, we saw Joaquim last week who got T-boned in an intersection. And was able to walk away. The car was going 61 miles right. an hour, crashed into his driver's side Broke door. Broke finger. Right. Yeah. And so this is why we do the show. And this is why we have our Clips channel. If you want to share this clip with your friends who are like, so was Tesla really safe? Uh, go over there. We chopped it into a bite-sized clip that you can share with them and go, uh, yeah. So a Tesla Model S and X were spotted with a CCS plug. Wait, like in America? No, this is in Taiwan. Oh, but I thought all Teslas outside of the U.S. were like already had CCS plugs. It's actually been like a surprising hodgepodge. I mean, Model S's in mainland China have had their own special plug along with a completely different plug location. Tesla Model S's in Europe have had type two plugs. And in the U.S., we have the proprietary Tesla plug that we're all used to. Okay, so will this CCS design be the new standard for all the world? It's not very clear at the moment. It might just be for Taiwan. Again, this is all data from one Model X and S in Taiwan, which is also strange because up until now, the U.S. and Canada was the only place refreshed S's and X's were being sold. So it could have even been like a custom job. Possibly. So the Model S also had updated Matrix headlights and taillights, but we didn't get any good pictures of the taillights. Oh, so maybe Stephen will get his uh, frosted taillights on the Model S that he's been asking for. He's like, they have them on the Model X. Why don't they have them on the Model S? It's almost like they just were like, let's not do it to piss him (laughs) off. Now, you may have noticed that we didn't include the Bollinger B1 electric pickup truck on our latest in-depth, which was about which electric pickup truck is winning the pickup truck wars. One of the reasons we didn't was this news from Bollinger. Many early reservation holders are receiving this email from Robert Bollinger stating that today... We are postponing the development of the B1 and B2 and shifting our focus to commercial trucks and fleets. We're taking that knowledge and experience as we move into commercial development, making innovative trucks for classes three through six. So Bollinger says they'll refund all deposits on the B1 and B2. So wait, slow, wait a minute. So we're talking about the Bollinger B1 and B2. This is the cool pickup truck with all the foldy gadgets and the, and the pass through. So you could put a whole telephone pole through your truck if you wanted to yeah. in a good way. Not, right. not your typical uh, <laughs> way. Uh, you're saying it's, how many did they make again? They never got into major production. They were looking for a production partner. And I mean, this is really too bad, but it wasn't unexpected. If they had been able to get this truck out before Rivian and Ford and everybody, then I think they might have stood a chance and maybe someone would have bought them or, you know, I don't know, maybe it would have caught on. But the problem is now with everyone waiting for a Silverado or a Lightning or a Cybertruck, like, where does this truck fit in? It's wicked expensive. It's more expensive than any of them, right? It's a $200,000 truck. Uh, The stats aren't that great. Um, And it only has like one trick, which is that you can put stuff through it, which is a great trick. But like, it used to have some tricks like it had power outlets in the back, but now they all have power outlets in the back. So, like, it doesn't have any good tricks anymore. I mean, I want to give Bollinger credit. They were testing the waters. 
So that way, all these other companies didn't have to figure out like what people wanted in a truck. I'm not saying mm. it wasn't obvious, but how I, do how would we know that it wouldn't be obvious? If, I, I think this comes down to what Elon always talks about, which is it's not that hard to make one prototype. Yeah. It's wicked hard to manufacture it at cost. No, and they couldn't point. ever get that going. And that is too bad because I think it would have meant more options for all of us. But yeah, they're going into commercial trucks, which, you know, I don't know. It seems like a lot of companies are going to that too. And I think they're going to do that for a reason that we're going to talk about right now. So we've been seeing a whole bunch of electric class three through class eight trucks hitting the market lately. Yeah, like the next generation VNR electric trucks from Volvo, which will begin production in Q2 of this year at Volvo Trucks Manufacturing Facility in Dublin, Virginia. These three new updated models have increased energy storage of up to 565 kilowatt hours, which is over 300 kilowatt hours more than the previous VNR electric model. That equates to a range of up to 200 75 miles, which is 125 miles more than its predecessor. These will have 250 kilowatt charging speeds. So that's 80% in 90 minutes. We don't know anything about the price and there's really not going to be any autonomy. And Kenworth Truck Company, a subsidiary of PACCAR, which owns Peterbilt, says that their electric truck orders, like the new Class 8 T680E that was showcased at CES this month, have tripled in the past three months. And how about the Nikola Trek? <coughs> Can't believe I just said that, but it's actually beginning deliveries in December and has letters of intent for the sale of hundreds more, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I, why would why wouldn't I believe it? OK, so why are we seeing all these truck sales now? Well, I think it's because of California's hybrid and zero emission truck and bus voucher incentive project or HVIP. This is administered by CalStart on behalf of CARB, and it offers purchasers up to $120,000 per electric truck. This makes for a much easier sale of, let's be honest, a much more expensive upfront costing truck when you can knock over 100 grand off the price. So this is a cash grab. Yeah, but let's go back to Kenworth for a second. Their general sales manager said recently, when we started this, we focused on the West Coast where the significant grant money resided. But to our surprise, there has definitely been a lot more activity outside of those states than we originally anticipated. In fact, he said that they have lined up orders in 44 states. So, yes, California is definitely kicking this off. And I think this is why we're seeing Bollinger also going into this market, Mm because it's like, oh, if we make a truck, we can knock 120,000 off the price tag. Um, But they're seeing that. Uh, not just the places with the tax credits, uh, people are still excited about getting these trucks. Now, there's a big reason for that, uh, which is fuel and maintenance costs go way the frick down when you don't have a giant diesel burning engine in there. One thing that I want to point out, if you look at these trucks, a lot of these trucks, uh, you can see a drive shaft going to the rear wheels. So what? Every truck has a drive shaft. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. You see... I think what they did at like, say, Volvo trucks was they said, hey, Michael, you converted something to electric. And he's like, yeah, my car or whatever. And they go, why don't you convert one of our trucks? And he goes, OK. Oh, wait, I see what you're talking about, because in the garage right now, we've got a little car we're converting and it's right. got a transmission and we just took an electric motor and stuck it on the old transmission. And but it's not efficient. It's not the smartest way to do it. And you're right. The Tesla semi truck, they put the motors right there. On the wheels. Right. I mean, just the U-joint alone on that uh, drive shaft is going to cause some inefficiency. Yeah, um, which it's you probably could, a lot. Which you could eliminate. And I, I don't want to be like a super Debbie Downer here, but I think all they did was, hey, how can we grab this money? You know, Carlos, get on it. And Carlos went to Michael and he said, okay, let's convert these trucks. So that's what I'm thinking they're doing. I don't think this is a bad thing. First of all, any diesel truck you don't sell. Yeah. Big thumbs up for me. I don't I'm not going like, oh, that's so stupid. That's that's fine. 
The other thing that you're doing is you're getting a lot of people up to speed on how to build an electric truck. And they're probably sitting in engineering meetings going like, oh, do we really have to have the drive shaft there? It'd be so much more. Engineers are smart. I'm not saying Volvo doesn't know what they're doing. It's just that it's very expensive to, oh, so, oh, so what you're saying is you want to redesign the whole truck from scratch? Do you know how expensive that is? This is a cash grab. Do you know what a cash grab is? And those people are at some point are going to go, you know what? Let's stop working for Volvo. Let's make our own electric truck company and we'll show them who's boss. Or let's invest the money to make an even more efficient version. And they, and I think that Volvo will do that too. I don't think that they're just going in it just for a cash grab. But it does show how amazing Tesla is that their first truck wasn't one of these. Their first truck that we saw back in 2017 was super efficient and had the ability to prevent jackknifing yeah which you can't do if you have a drive shaft yeah good point just want to point that out so neuro is a startup company working on an autonomous last mile delivery vehicle now we've talked about the cute r1 which is their first gen which came out in 2018 and started making deliveries in scottsdale arizona then came the r2 their second generation vehicle in 2020 um, that have been driving around texas california and you may have seen their Domino's ads so how was neuro able to do all of this legally well, they got an exemption from NHTSA because their vehicle was never designed to carry passengers and it travels at relatively slow speeds. So NHTSA was like, oh, so it's not really a passenger vehicle. So now Nero has announced its third generation vehicle, the R3, which will hold up to 24 bags of groceries. Nero is also planning on opening a $40 million manufacturing facility and test track in southern Nevada. BYD is going to be helping Neuro with the manufacturing. So I'd like to talk about this some more on the Now You Know Investor Club bonus story this week. And you can join us on Patreon and help support the channel um, because, yeah, we have uh, have some thoughts about this. So recently, many users of third-party Tesla apps have had their login tokens revoked. Tokens? So basically, you know how if you log in with like a Tesla scope or even a better root planner, you can log in uh, using your Tesla credentials and give the app access to your car's data so it can tell you, you know, the range and all sorts of uh, stuff about your car, right? Wait, so Tesla stopped people from being able to do that? Well, no, they just revoked the token. So you can go back in and and log in and get it all set up all over again. They didn't prevent you from doing that, but... They basically, you'd log into your app and it would be like, not connected to vehicle anymore. So why did this all happen? Uh, because a hacker in Germany was able to take control of over a dozen Teslas around the world. Wait, oh my God, a hacker could be sending cars crashing into things right now? Relax, relax. No, that's not what happened. But hackers are infiltrating the inner sanctum. Who could this nefarious character be? Okay, will you please just chill out? The hacker was David Colombo. He's not nefarious. He is a white hat hacker. That means that he's looking for ways to hack stuff so that he can report it and get it fixed. Yeah, he doesn't look too evil. So this is exactly what happened here. Um, He actually posted a great Twitter thread about this whole thing, and we'll post the link to it below. He did a great job explaining himself. I don't think the news has to like try and tell you that. Oh, worry. Okay, so Tesla security was in jeopardy, though. Uh, no. As David wrote, this is not a vulnerability in Tesla's infrastructure. It's the owner's fault. Oh, blame the victim, huh? No, no, no. Okay, well, apparently, if you type your credentials somewhere uh, that isn't too uh, trustworthy and they aren't stored securely, hackers can find them. And so, basically, David Colombo has been in contact with Tesla's security team, and that's why many access token for third-party apps were denied, basically, uh, to protect people from being able to have their cars hacked. So when he said he had control over their cars? He could do pretty much anything you could do with the phone app. 
Um, so you could find the location of the car. You could unlock the car. You could start the car remotely. You could roll so you down could the window. Try and run someone over with it. Uh, I'm going to run you over. No, but then you, it wouldn't do it because it would just see them and doesn't, stop. It wouldn't drive. You'd have to. It wouldn't. You could summon it. You If you were close enough. Aha. Uh-huh. I mean, because basically you just. You just have you'd have the. It's like if someone stole your phone, right, and had the the thing. But that means you could get into the car and drive it away. Uh, yes, if the hacker went to where your car was, which they would know where it was, and then they could essentially walk it up and drive away. Unless, oh, well, we talk about a lot on the show. Pin to drive. Yes. At the end of the day, though, I would like to thank David for his contribution to Tesla safety. Um, and. We should also appreciate Tesla. They tend to reward white hat hackers like David for finding security issues. So therefore, he's more likely to be a white hat hacker and not put on his black hat and go out stealing some Teslas. Yeah. And please don't just put your passwords out there where you don't know where they're secure. And remember, pin to drive. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, four digit pin, you can put that in just like, you know, with your ATM card so that no one can drive your Tesla unless they type in that pin. And so basically you go into the little menu, you go to security, you'll find something that says pin to drive. Turn It'll it on. for the pin. Yep. Don't forget the pin. Right. Don't forget your pin. Because then you're going to have to reset it through right. your... Yeah. Now, I think we've all heard this story before. Don't drive an electric car. Don't you know those catch on fire? And didn't you wish you had some kind of comeback? Yeah. Your mom... <laughs> no. One with real data to back it up. Oh, you mean like this? Yeah. Something like that. Wait, what was that? Oh, that was an infographic from Auto Insurance EZ showing electric car fires compared to gas car fires. Wait, that's perfect. So on the right, it shows total car fires. But of course, there's more gas cars on the road. So a better graph would be to see statistically how likely it would be to catch on fire. Which you can see on the graph on the left. But those bars are off. Yeah, if you make a real graph... You can't really even see the EV bar. So I, I don't know. I guess it's the lies we tell for clear infographics, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. But yeah, bottom line, EVs <laughs> don't catch, catch on. They basically right. don't catch on. So fire. the next time someone says, like, what do you Those are dangerous. just show them well, you're wrong. Here's the thing. Yeah. The, save this clip. Go to the right. Now You Know Clips channel. Save this clip and go, actually, let me just show you. Yeah. Data. And then be like, well, how come I don't see it on the news? Because it's so common. It's so, they get bored yeah, of telling you exactly. about it. Exactly. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. So this week, I didn't shave until just before the show. So I had a one-week-old beard Mm -hmm. because I hadn't shaved. And Henson Shaver can handle that. The other thing is it can also handle, like, tight stuff. Like when when it was like, oh, I shaved yesterday, but I want to look my best. And so I shave again because normally I couldn't do that. Right. I don't know. It's I really like no, you my held off shaving. shaving as much as you could. Oh, because it would kill my destroy my face. Right. And now it doesn't. And our buddy Daniel, the founder of Henson Shaving, designed the razor to be that way. He's he's so happy that people like in the military, for example, who have to shave every single day can have a razor that won't destroy their face. Yeah. Go get your hundred free blades by going over to HensonShaving.com and using our code. Now, you know. It's a boat. It's a plane. No, it's Sea Glider. Regent is a startup making this electric ground effect craft. Whoa, what's ground effect? So if you fly an airplane really close to the ground, typically within the wingspan of the airplane or so, Uh you will encounter something called ground effect. It essentially lowers the drag caused by the wing and makes for more efficient flight. 
Whoa, so this is like a brand new idea that they came up with? Uh, no, there have been plenty of different kinds of vessels from Russian acronoplons to uh, flare crafts. Um, they're not that popular a type of vessel, mainly because you can only fly them either somewhere that it's really flat or over water. Oh, but there's a lot of water on the planet. So, I mean, uh, this was funded by Shark, Mark Cuban, and Fitbit founder James Park. And so, is this an efficient airplane? Uh, don't you go calling it an airplane. It has wings. This is a wing in ground effect craft, and it could fall into the jurisdiction of maritime law and avoid the FAA entirely, meaning that you wouldn't have to file a flight plan. You wouldn't have to have a pilot's log. Oh. So, cheapy, cheap. Wouldn't cheap, have to cheap. be a pilot. Possibly, yes. Um, so it would be more of like a very fast boat, which would be great for ferries. So really good for coastal stuff, you know, yeah, up and down so, coasts. I mean, anywhere that there's a ferry right now, this would make it like more efficient, way faster. Oh, and more efficient, and way more efficient. Now, okay, not but great for moving your car. What about waves? You think about that, Mark Cuban? I, I don't know. I, I mean, we only have like what about rocks? What about birds? <laughs> We only, what about boats? Right. We only have CGI images. How, I mean, can and this thing turn quick or does it like? I don't know. I mean, with all those electric motors, you could probably do some fancy. So I, I heard they're going to start building this in Rhode Island. Yeah. But I mean, uh, but it's going to take years to even get a prototype out, right? It'll be about 2025. Yeah. Okay. So I'm excited. Something to think about. It's electric. It's it's electric, which is great. And I mean, they've done, you know, fossil fuel kind of a chrono plan kind of things. Uh, This, I think, is it's new. It's different a little bit. Um, yeah, let's try it out. Let's do give it. Give it a shot. All right, it's time for Going Green, and we're brought to you by EcoWare. Now, you remember we have those cool bumper stickers. Nice we also guy. now have these. Now, you might be like, Zach, is that just a black shirt? No, it's a subtle shirt. It's a boring shirt. <laughs> yes, it's very boring. I worked with Bobby on this. We got just the right color gray yeah. so that these are subtle. So a lot of you were saying like, Zach and Jesse, I don't want to just blurt out to the world yeah. whatever I'm thinking. I want them to just subtly know. This is the cutter from The Boring Company. I'm a cutter. And I've got, of course, the... Famous grid fins. Right. So, I mean, now when people see that, it's going to take a little thought and conversation. Why is that come some kind of cheese grater? <laughs> and you're going to go, no, <laughs> this goes on a rocket ship <laughs> to make it reland. So back in 2019, the French city of Montpellier got funding of 29 million euros to construct a small solar powered hydrogen plant to power 51 hydrogen powered buses. Well, that sounds better than 51 diesel buses, I guess, but is that the end of the story? Nope, there's more. The new mayor, Michael Delaflosse, who got elected in June of 2020, he took a look at this project more closely and he said, Ha-ha! We're helped on the investment, not on the operation. However, it would be six times more expensive than with electric buses. So for the moment, we are giving up on hydrogen buses. We'll see in 2030 if hydrogen is cheaper. Then Julie Fresh, who is in charge of transport for the city, said that the operation of the hydrogen buses would cost 3 million euro per year versus only 500,000 euro per year for the electric buses, or a difference of 95 cents per kilometer versus 15 cents. She added that the hydrogen buses were 150 to 200,000 euro more expensive to buy than their electric counterparts. Wait, 
So they're not going green. They canceled their order for the hydrogen powered buses and they haven't ordered any electric buses. So this segment's called going green. I I wanted to hear good news. Well, honestly, I think this is good news. I mean, instead of buying the hydrogen buses and finding out down the road how expensive it was and then just dropping it then, they stopped to reassess. Hopefully now that they've realized how cheap electric buses are, they'll buy some electric buses. And thank you to Ravi for sharing the story with us, because I think that a lot of these towns get stuck in this, right? Where it's like, you can get free money from the government to do something. And you start doing it. You're like, we're building this thing. It's going to be great. We're right. spending some money. And then you get like halfway done and you're like, wait a minute. Did anyone uh, do any math? And so <laughs> What this, about the operations? And so, oh, we didn't even think of that. I mean, in this case, the new mayor who probably wasn't that vested in the project mm. uh, came along and was like, hang on, let's do some basic math. Right. And that's, I mean, kind of upsetting. That the fossil fuel industry probably was like, just sign here. Well, we'll give you the money and uh, don't worry about it. But now they probably have like this half built uh, hydrogen plant somewhere on the edge of town. I don't know. I, don't know. Maybe, I mean, if there's solar panels, you just unplug yeah, the hydrogen generator point. and you plug it in somewhere else. That's a good point. All right. It's time for sunspots. All right. So when you think of Indiana, Jesse, what do you think of? Corn. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't think of solar farms, do you? Well, I mean, actually. Corn is solar, if you think about it. That's a good point. So I guess this next story isn't that weird at all. So EDP Renewables North America has just completed a 200 megawatt solar farm in Randolph County, Indiana, which is northeast of Indianapolis. It is now the largest capacity solar farm in Indiana. The $180 million solar farm will produce enough energy to supply more than 36,000 households in the state annually, and it will provide around $54 million to the local landowners. Indiana has jumped from 32nd in the nation in solar in 2020 to 18th as of the third quarter of 2021. They now have 1.3 gigawatts of solar installed. That's enough to go back in time. That's right. It could. And if you'd like to go solar and be the envy of your neighborhood, then contact our friends over at Energy Pal. They are the experts that will help you go solar and get batteries for less. In fact, they'll do their work for free. They'll just take uh, the money out of the installer's pocket so you don't have to pay for anything and you'll be an expert yourself after you're done working with them. So reach out to them below at the link and tell them that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. Remember, you can send your stories into hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. And uh, let's see what we got from Chris. Zach and Jesse, happy 2022. And uh, my name is Chris Largent. Just wanted to take a moment to thank you, both of you and your staff, and all the diligent work that you've done over the last many years. Uh, I found your channel uh, in 2020 and started following it. And, uh, and thanks to you, and now you know, and... Uh, in-depth and your clips channel. I learned so much. I've shared my my uh, things that I've learned uh, with my wife. And uh, at the beginning of last year, 2021, we uh, had two ICE cars. And by the end of 2021, we were all electric. That's right. We have a Model 3 for me and a Model Y for my wife. But I just wanted to thank you guys so much for everything. I would not be here having these electric cars without all the information that you have given to all of us uh, over all these years. But uh, I just wanted to give you a special thank you. Without you, these would not be here. And imagine how many other people that you have added to the electric family. So just a quick shout out as a thank you. And here's to a great 2022. Thank you, Chris. That's so nice to get a like a special thank you. Yeah. I, I love it. In fact, I think we should do another one. 
Okay. All right. This one's from David. Hey, Zach and Jesse. Uh, Dave here again. Uh, hoping you might be able to find some help for me. My dad has a long range Model 3, which I, I'm actually coming to you from inside my own Model 3, um, that he had pretty much brand new and was driving down the highway and a truck that was carrying something dropped something and it actually ended up totaling my dad's car. Now, Progressive is trying to claim that his car, brand new, model year 21, uh, does not have the ability to get full self-driving and is then trying to dock $11,000 from the total claim. Uh, and then is trying to show that that is true for basically all these other cars as well. Um, they don't understand how upgrading to full self-driving works. And so basically are taking that $11,000 off list price of the car, which again, anyone in the Tesla community knows right now, you cannot get a model three for, I think almost under 50 K at this point, right? Just the supply and demand and the cost increases, et cetera, and everything, especially for a long range plus. So again, if anyone has had any experience with getting a claim on a total brand new car recently or can offer any kind of insight, please connect with me and, and, and help me because the people that my parents are working with do not understand how this works. And again, are trying to basically say a brand new Model 3 long range is only worth about 44K, uh, which is absurd. So, um, again, if you can help me, I don't understand why progressive reps that we're working with don't understand this. We've showed them everything, referred to the website and everything, and still don't get it, and are still insisting that the car is worth 11K less because it can't upgrade to full self-driving for whatever reason. Thanks. I appreciate your help. Oh, man. That's not fun. I don't even, I don't even get it. I get it. You... Here's what it is. Insurance company's like, um, yeah, you paid your premiums for 40 years straight and never had an accident. Great. Oh, you had an accident? Oh, well, um, looks like we're not going to help Oops, you. Sorry. <laughs> what do you think we are, an insurance company? Oh, yes, we are an insurance company. Um, so, yeah, if anyone has any ideas of how to help David's dad. I mean, my thought would be to get a lawyer, but I know that's not cheap. And I know that. But like, honestly, my experience is if you don't get a lawyer, they're, they're experts at this. Right. I mean, they know how to run you around and, and but, waste your time. But if anyone watching right now has any advice uh, or support. Right. Because you might have been through this before. Um, please email us. In the subject line, put David's dad, um, so that way we can kind of redirect the message over uh, to David, so that way he can redirect it over to his father, and hopefully they can come to some yeah. uh, resolution that's positive. Because this, I mean, if this is not another reason why we need Tesla insurance, I don't know what is. Because I mean, a Tesla insurance, they're probably not like. So what's a Tesla? What's a Tesla? Tesla? I don't understand. Full self driving. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories, and we've got three Investor Club bonus stories this week. But for the one dollar level, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash Nino. Sign up for $1 a month and you get access to every week you get a new Patreon bonus story. Uh, uh, stories. Stories. I'm sorry. We've got uh, how many cars will Tesla produce this year? Yeah, we've got some new numbers from China in that. And we have three new electric vehicles that we want you to check out. Yeah, they're all very different. So head over to Patreon.com slash now you know. You can sign up for just a buck a month and check it out. And you could you could cancel if you don't like it. You can. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. That was fun. Yeah, it's maybe, time for our maybe shout don't outs. cancel it, huh? I know, right? 
Um, all right. Who do we got for shout outs this week? We got Eric Ingeman Wellander, Timothy Steele, Joseph Hinkle, Kenneth Frick, Damon McIntosh, Hayden Spall, Human Fix Machine, Robert Gunter, Edward Lee, PJ Booza, Eric Duddles, Jeffrey, David Morse, Kelvin Andrews, Life Changing Experience, Jeremy Cruz, Richard L. Brown, Rick Burns, Timothy Hindman, Juan, Joel Redfern, Antonio Ramirez, Frank Scarage, and John Pecora. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. And Pomp says civilization could die with a bang or a whimper. And that's a quote from Elon. Elon tweeted back, if the alarming collapse in birth rate continues, civilization will indeed die with a whimper in adult diapers. Wow. Massimo said the history of life on Earth has been marked five times by events of mass biodiversity extinction caused by extreme natural phenomena. Today, many experts warn that a sixth mass extinction crisis is underway, this time entirely caused by human activities. Elon said there is a 100% chance of all species extinction due to expansion of the sun unless humanity makes life multiplanetary. And we do have a few million years to d- deal with that problem. I don't but- think we do. The expansion the win- of the sun. Yeah, but the window might be sm- shorter than we oh, think yes. to get off the planet. Clean Technica says solar power will account for nearly half of new U.S. electric generating capacity in 2022. Elon said most people have no idea how fast sustainable energy is growing. He's absolutely right. Massimo says solar energy is renewable. We will have a steady, limitless supply of sunlight for another 5 billion years. In one hour, the Earth's atmosphere receives enough sunlight to power the electricity needs of every human being on Earth for a year. Elon said, yep. Vincent said Tesla owners in Russia ask Elon Musk to open an official office in the country. Elon said Tesla is working as fast as possible to support Tesla owners worldwide. Sustainable energy affects everyone on Earth as we all share one atmosphere. Elon said bizarre anti-environment move by government of California. And this is what we talked about last week, where the California government is taxing people by putting solar on the roof. So if you want to send a message, uh, we put a link down below that will bring you to this easy peasy page. You just send your message to the California Public Utilities Commission and Governor Newsom and you're done. Pranay said, yo, Elon, any further updates as to when Tesla will launch in India? They're pretty awesome and deserve to be in every corner of the world. Elon said still working through a lot of challenges with the government. Yeah, they don't they don't like him. No. Uh, they don't like him with Starlink. They're like, we do not want Starlink in our country. Brett Winton from Ark Invest says it's 2005 and you can see the future. Cell phones will become the world's most economically important device. Trillions in value will be created. Obviously, you massively long Nokia and BlackBerry, unmatched scale and expertise. The iPhone's 2007 release only validates the thesis. By the end of 2007, you're a hero. And then he tweeted out this Forbes magazine cover, which shows Nokia having one billion customers. And he says, can anyone catch the cell phone king? Elon said, turns out, yes. Elon retweeted the SpaceX tweet that says Falcon 9 launches 105 spacecraft to orbit and lands at landing zone one. Nice. Clean Technica printed this opinion piece about some German environmental groups overlooking coal's impact on water while focusing on stopping Tesla. Elon said, yeah, doesn't make sense. Massimo tweeted out, the gathering for Gardner Dragon is probably one of the most captivating examples of the follow face optical illusion. But this big version in a street of Beijing is even more mesmerizing. Isn't that mind blowing? Yeah, I had a little version of that exact thing when I was a kid. Shibatoshi Nakamoto said birds aren't real. Elon said birds are myth. And then Elon tweeted out top. And I think he's pointing out this picture, which is his um, profile picture to this render of Starship, which is... I think going to become reality pretty soon. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah. Elon tweeted out, 1,469 Starlink satellites active, 272 moving to operational orbits. Laser links activate soon. When the laser links activate, oh boy. 
exciting. Oh boy, no that's going to be needed. I mean, a couple, but you don't yeah. need it like Everywhere. next to you right now. Elon tweeted out me fighting in the metaverse prison yard where I'm doing time for screenshotting NFTs. <laughs> he also tweeted out this video. He's like in a video mood. Yep. And he tweeted out this Wikipedia listing for a grape. Everyone knows what a grape is. So informative. And uh, this picture of the future of AI, I guess, from Archelect. And Elon said, AI in a box that is a hall of mirrors from the inside. Ross Gerber said, just to note, there has not been one accident or injury since full self-driving beta launch. Not one. Not a single one. In that time, 20,000 people have died on the road in car accidents. Correct, Elon? Knock on wood. And Elon says, correct. Uh, Elon tweeted this meme out. It is heartening to see the rise of individualist versus corporate media. Maybe he's talking about us. Who knows? And then Shibatoshi Nakamoto said the media went from holding governments and people accountable to agenda driven narrative controlling. And it's becoming way too obvious to people. Elon said, yeah. All right. It's time for the results of our poll. What did we ask this week? I said, uh, which EV pickup truck would you pick up? Chuck. Um, so we, let's we say we knew you... the answer was going to be. Look at all those people that said other. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting this. So it must be the Rivian. Uh, well, or we don't the... know because we <laughs> said a dumb poll. But, Sorry, I mean, folks. It is Tesla heavy, though. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. Remember, you can send your stories into hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Our good friend Tion from Build Your Own Robot, remember Bior? Mm -hmm. They are looking for new interns for the upcoming semester. Check this out. Hello, Zach and Jesse. This is Tion from Bior, Build Your Own Robot. As you know, we make super easy to use electronics designed for kids to implement it in their arts and crafts work, um, which makes the arts and crafts interactive. For example, this guy can give you a hand and all kinds of stuff. Um, at the moment, we're looking for interns for the upcoming semester. And um, yeah, it's a very wide range of skills that we're looking for because we're expanding the business. We're making lesser materials, we're making new electronics, we're always making new craft packs, so simple cardboard packs for, uh, for kids and other people to just uh, build their own stuff. So um, maybe if one of the viewers is interested or knows someone that might be interested, uh, just uh, shoot me an email and um, yeah, maybe we get in touch. Thanks. Yeah, on our Euro road trip, I met Julia, remember, uh, in Germany, and she joined Bior as an intern and had a wonderful time. If you're looking for a wonderful work environment and a wonderful company to learn and grow with, I highly recommend Tion and his team at Bior in the Netherlands. You can reach Tion at this email. We'll also put that down below. Man, I want to, I kind of want to do that. Well, maybe you can. Just email Tion, <laughs> see if you qualify. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Scott in Germany spotted this Model 3 driving school car while in Neuss, Germany, which is between Dusseldorf and Cologne over Christmas. Fahrschule is German for driving school. I'm sure we didn't pronounce it correctly, so we're not German teachers. Nathan sent us this picture of a Waymo semi-truck and support vehicle that he spotted in Chandler, Arizona. Nathan says the truck got a green arrow traffic signal and nothing happened for about four seconds. Then the driver, notably frustrated, took over and made the turn. Ooh. So we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Kyle is primarily a Lyft driver, but he sent us this info he got from Uber regarding the deal through Hertz for Uber drivers to rent Teslas. He said that Tesla is about $75 to $100 more per week than other rental options. Most are $280 to $300 a week. Now, the interesting part to me is what it says here on page four. Access to Tesla supercharging network. Uh, didn't Elon say that only Teslas on the Tesla network could? Charge at superchargers. Right. Well, they made a special deal with Hertz. 
May I don't know. I don't know if they made that deal or if that's just Uber <laughs> stepping over the line. Uh, Sammy sent us this picture of two army green Teslas at the Jacksonville Supercharger, one matte and one shiny. And look, in the background, that looks like a pale blue Model 3. Wow. You would have been so jealous of that when you were like a kid. I know. And then check out this video we got from Mike. So you might be asking, why are we watching a car at a red light? Well, because Mike wrote to us and shared this video from his Tesla cam. He said, attached is the video from my car that could have ended in tragedy. Full self-driving may have saved my life and my daughter's. Tonight, I had full self-driving engaged at a traffic light. My signal changed to green. The car didn't proceed immediately. Those who have FSD know what I mean. Just as I was about to press the accelerator, another car blew through the intersection well in excess of 60 miles an hour. Because of this pause, I am here safe and telling my story. I don't know for sure that full self-driving saw the other car approaching, but I'm going to give it credit in this circumstance. Wow. Yeah, this is a lot like last week where Joaquin sent us that uh, video of him being saved in his Tesla. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just blowing through intersections now. Lyman sent us this photo of what he calls head-shaking stupidity. This is what's going on at the Pasadena Supercharger on East Glenarm Street. You spot that? Why did they make it like that? <laughs> what, mixing different brands what? at the same? Uh, we only have so many parking spaces here, so uh, you guys are going to have to double up. That's cool, right? All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. Let's see what's going on out there in the world of Superchargers. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is David reporting from Mount Forest, Ontario, Canada. Mount Forest is a small town of about 2,500 people on Highway 6, uh, halfway between Guelph and Owen Sound. Uh, this is an eight-stall version 3 supercharger, 250 kilowatt. Um, at this site, we also have um, a no-frills supermarket, uh, there is a, a home hardware over the road. Uh, there's an A&W just down the road, about 100 meters. Um, toilet facilities at all these places, but only during office hours, uh, as well as, of course, providing electric power for uh, the horsepower in my car. We've also, being Mennonite country, got real horsepower station uh, for the horse and buggies. Um, so I'd rate this uh, an 8 out of 10. Um, great to go, Tesla, right behind you. Uh, thank you very much. Love your show. Uh, and uh, now you know. Toodaloo. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Andrew and Tim. We're charging up my brother's Model S in Perth, Ontario. The supercharger here, you got eight stalls. There's one pull-through stall. They're all 250 kilowatt. And it's honestly in a fantastic location. You've got uh, all of these amenities right here, including a grocery store with a bathroom, a Starbucks over there. It's literally right off Highway 7, right there. And oh look, somebody's just iced one of the superchargers. We might talk to them after. Anyway, I give this a solid uh, nine out of 10. And uh, now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Tom in Ashland, New Hampshire at an eight stall, 250 kilowatt uh, supercharger. And it's in the parking lot of uh, Dunkin' Donuts with a convenience store next door at a gas station. There's also a restaurant over here in the blue building. I'd give this an 8 out of 10. Now you know. Hi Zach and Jesse. 
I'm Jenna from the Rural Montana family and we are visiting Portland, Oregon and we are charging at the 72 kilowatt urban supercharger in Tigard, Oregon. It is located in the Washington Square Mall parking structure and this mall has over 200 stores. It's also very busy at the supercharger, so they have a 40-minute maximum, or 40-minute char charging maximum. And then over here, they have three Tesla destination chargers, but they are only for test drive vehicles only. And that's because this mall also has a Tesla showroom in it. I rate this a 9 out of 10 because all it has all of the stores here. But I give it a 9 because at night they are all closed. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing those reviews. We, I mean... We can't be out there doing all of these. Not all the time. And uh, yeah, you can check out the map. We have a map. It's over on our website now, you know, channel.com. And uh, oh, some of those reviews are ours, though. You can spot us occasionally, true. but that's you true. guys are the most of them. All right. What do we got for new superchargers this week? We got 82 in Florida, the 12 stall in Brooksville, Florida. Number 140 in Canada is an eight stall in Exeter, Ontario. Number 48 in Australia is the six stall in Tellium Bend, South Australia. Number 43 in Japan is a four-stall, we don't know how fast it is, at Yamagata. And number 1,257 in the United States, 3,228 in the world is the eight-stall in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. All right, it is time for our Patreon giveaway. So first of all, you got to be a Patreon. Then you get your name in the barrel. Then Jesse pulls your name out of the barrel. And then you get a $30 gift card to EcoWare, where you can buy maybe one of these cool shirts. So who's our winner this week, Jess? I'm going deep this week. Going deep. He's going deep. There we go. Ross Ward. Congratulations, Ross. You just got yourself a $30 gift card to EcoWare. You might want to get uh, one of the bumper stickers or a cool T-shirt. Yeah. And uh, I just want to talk about climate exchange. We talked about it at the top of the show. Yeah. It's ending soon. You have a really good chance of winning. The money goes for a good cause. And it's like, why you not? win a plaid. You could win Where a plaid. Where else could you win a plaid? I <laughs> and mean, you have a one in 5,000 chance. That isn't like a scam. You have like, a, I, this like, is a better chance, and this is like a fact. I think I can say it. Better chance than winning the lottery. Oh, yeah. By a wide margin. Yeah. Better chance than... Getting hit by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a negative one. I don't know why you choose that. Well, I wonder what the chances are that you could meet Elon. Pretty good. They're pretty good? I think so. If you go to the right events. But now with COVID, I think it goes down quite a bit. I think it'll get better. So I would say... I'd say you have a better chance of winning the plaid than you are of meeting Elon. Unless you're like a YouTuber speaking, or something. But statistically like, speaking, yes. Right. Of, of, of all the people on earth. Because I mean, yes. I've shaken his hand once. Yep. And I could have shaken it twice, but I refused the first time. <laughs> Because that's were, another story. You were worried about getting him sick. I was worried about how, getting him sick prophetic. in 2017. Wow. Huh? Huh? Yeah. There's something going on in the metaverse there. Hey, I want to thank our patrons. Um, you see them scrolling by here. These are the people who support us for $5 or more a month. Um, they These are people who have waited very patiently to get their shout out. Yep. Um, and helped support that or this show in the meantime. And we really appreciate that. Um, we are a little behind on shout outs. I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's not like... 
it's we it, want to make it special. We don't we want do. this shout out section to be like and blah blah blah. I don't want to be reading a list this long. Right. You know, I want it to be like I was on that episode and you can find me. Right. I don't want it to be like oh I'm buried with a billion people. So right. yeah, you might have to wait a little bit, but it will be special when it actually happens. Right. Um, and I want to thank those people and I want to thank all of our patrons because this show can't can't happen and it's so easy to become one i do want to say go over to patreon.com slash now you know for a buck a month boom you're there you get all those cool things um i would just go do it right now because you probably watch the show a bunch of times be honest be honest yeah right and you're like those guys will be there every week how do you know we're gonna be here every week how do you know right it's only because our patrons that we're here every week and you know people people change (laughs) you know it's not like it's right. not like we've had Look the, at the same COO patrons. of Rivian. I could just be like, I've had enough. I'm gone. You know? Or our patrons could leave. Right. And uh so yeah, we do need your support. And um yeah, it, it listen, listen. <laughs> you probably pay more for streaming service per month. Oh my god, yes. And get less content than you do from this channel. Yeah, you probably have so many streaming services you forgot that you're signed up for. Right. Because you wanted that one show. Right. I'm saying <laughs> that for, show's I'm over saying now. for a dollar a month you are getting all of our patreon bonus stories so that's every week patreon bonus stories right um on top of helping to support this show so just consider it uh i know that it's not for everyone but it would really help us out and would help support the growth of this channel um also hitting the like button that's free and you get a chance to win uh something every week on the show that's true that's another good point yeah yeah there's lots of other great perks i encourage you to go check them all out we'll see you next week now you know